Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are here today to talk about two films resurrected from the dead. The gra- We're back! They're back! Cinema from Graveyard. The beyond. Dug up by two new filmmakers to live life again in again. front of a new generation. Again. Uh, it sounds like we're trying to promote like a monster truck show. It kind of is. Yeah. But for zombies. I'm into it. Yeah. That's a movie. <laughs> Monster that, Truck Zombies? That sounds like something Toby Hooper probably already has a screenplay for, but could never get financing on. You need zombies that can drive cars, though, right? You want to see zombies in monster trucks. Oh, yeah. I want zombies to also be like underneath the car working on it. Like, oh, the, yeah. The little board. He's Mechanic like, zombies. Yeah, totally. See, this is why we need to start calling them ghouls again. I believe a ghoul could work on a car. I Rivet don't. Rosie zombies. Rivet Rosie zombies. Yeah. She's got rivets holding her fucking skin on. Oh, she's got like, anyway, that's, let's not. And a bandana. <laughs> she's got All have... cute. Gotta have that bandana, gotta have a pack of human fingers instead of cigarettes That's rolled up good. in her sleeves. <gasps> That's great. I love it. I'm sold. I bought my ticket already. Should we tell them what movies we're gonna talk about? <laughs> this week on the podcast, we are talking about Fetty Alvarez's remake of Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead. But this one's just called Evil Dead with no the. Uh, we're also talking about Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, which is, of course, remaking George A. Romero's classic of the same name. This is probably going to be one of our most fun, hyped-up episodes because in a like really rare fashion, we have two original movies that are off-beloved with two remakes that are pretty generally popular. I think we are keeping ourselves in a bubble. You disagree? I don't think 
the entire horror community. No, but I, I said generally. Yeah, I think uh, the Evil Dead, everybody's got an opinion about it. People either love it or they think it's just fine. Uh, and Dawn of the Dead, I think, is where you get some more polarizing reactions. I'm interested to hear some feedback to this week's episode. Oh, me too. I always hear positive things about these. I think in terms of remakes that are actually good, Evil Dead 2013 and Dawn of the Dead 2004 are on those lists more often than not. Before we get into the resurrected dead movies of the week, John, what is keeping you creepy? Well, a few days ago, we got the first official Godzilla vs. Kong trailer. I hope you guys watched it. It's so badass. I was super worried we were going to get just like a real cool teaser trailer. Oh, there's something in the clouds. Oh, there's something in the water. And then like we get a peak of Godzilla and a peak of Kong. And like, oh, they're winding up to punch and then coming in a few weeks. There was some legit punching in they that trailer. They beat the shit out of each yeah. other in this trailer. It's so <laughs> rad. I can't wait to see this movie. It looks like a 12-round bare-knuckle boxing match between a giant lizard and a giant monkey. <laughs> to be fully honest, I wasn't too hyped about this movie before the trailer. I thoroughly enjoy Godzilla. I can't say that I'm like huge into the, the universe that is universe of universes. That is to say, I'm not huge on the, the entire catalog of Godzilla. There's and... a lot of Godzilla out yeah. there. Yeah, so I mean, I could re- read the Wikipedia page and pretend that I know what I'm talking about, but... Uh... Everybody in the world enjoys monsters punching other monsters we in the sure face. We sure do. I don't know what it is in our DNA. We just like monsters punching monsters. So I'm really hoping our drive-ins, because, you know, we live in Canada. Winter happens here. I'm really yeah. hoping our drive-ins are open early this year, because I really, really want to see this in a drive-in. I feel like this is just like quintessential drive-in content. Yeah, no, the drive-in should open early. Now, it's not uncommon for us to have snow on the ground still in March, so maybe not. I don't know. Side note, also coming out soon, just want to shout out St. Maud because I know people have been waiting for it forever. It's going to be out January 29th from the A24 crew. They've been holding that one close to the chest. I know some people in the UK have had the opportunity to check it out. Mm -hmm. It released their earlier in the yeah sometime around the summer i think maybe like early fall it back when theaters were still open in london for that short window but yeah saint mod uh check it out we have a review and an interview on the website oh yeah from 2019 back when we caught it in at tiff like actually went to tiff which is a thing that used to happen yeah hey there's a few movies coming out soon in the next few months actually from tiff 2019 that you guys got to keep an eye out for uh shortly after saint mod the vigil coming from ifc midnight so good real Loved good that one we're definitely going to talk about it more in the podcast so i'm just going to leave it at that saint mod uh like like you said hitting uh th- theaters uh end of january coming to vod two weeks after that yeah so i think it's like limited theatrical maybe premium rental on the 29th and then it'll be out on the 9th on vod yeah right director rose glass when we talked with her she was she talked about shopping the movie around and describing it as sort of a taxi driver with supernaturally type elements set in like the welsh countryside which could not be a better description for this movie i think the trailer sells it a little too hard the trailer is a little bit more punk rock than the actual movie is yeah super slow burn great character story yes and like 
dope finale. Like, Absolutely. oh boy, what a great ending does this movie have. I Yeah, I just want to make sure that, because unfortunately, and I find this happens with A24 movies sometimes, is that they know how to cut a motherfucking trailer. Sure do. It's almost got those, like, it comes at night vibes where it's badass for sure, but it's a lot more subtle than I think a lot of people are anticipating. So I really hope people do enjoy it and aren't let down by yeah, it. Yeah, it's a real quiet movie, but it's a banger. It's... Maybe I shouldn't say banger, right? You can say banger. Okay, it's it's a for a for a quiet slow burn. It's kind of it's a banger. It's like a pinkies up tea sipping banger. Yeah, <laughs> we're also covering the 2021 Sundance Film Festival, uh, which is starting today, Thursday, the day that this podcast drops. It's running until the following week. We've seen a, a handful of movies already. We can't really talk about anything that we've seen yet. But if there's one that I could recommend without saying too much about it, is a documentary called A Glitch in the Matrix. It's directed by Rodney Asher, who you'll probably remember from... Every great horror documentary ever. Right, uh, (laughs) Primal Scream, which is on... Primal Screen, sorry, which is on Shudder. It's a short half-hour documentary about the scary movie trailer for Magic from uh, the 70s with with, uh, puppets and Anthony Hopkins. Uh, But more importantly, you'll probably remember The Nightmare and Room 237, everybody's favorite Shining documentary, right? This uh this this documentary is a little different like in how those are examples of how people consume media differently. This documentary is about how people consume reality differently. It's about the simulation theory or the simulation argument as the as the documentary tries to stress. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole indeed and definitely check this one out when you can late at night you know after maybe a beer or two or whatever else your libations are and just like fall into this rabbit hole because it will fuck your mind up yeah can't talk too much about it but uh, i bring it up specifically because it's it's playing at sundance this weekend you could buy a ticket for it if you like uh it's part of their midnight program but in, more importantly it's going to have a select in theater and vod release beginning february 5th so if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out next week you'll be able to check it out yourself dope and if you're an HBO Max user, we also got to check out the newly releasing The Little Things, the new psychological cop killer thriller uh, starring Jared Leto, Denzel Washington, and Rami Malek. Yeah, it's uh, Denzel Washington is an old cop who's, who's returning back to L.A. after a, he's I haven't something set, happened. I haven't set foot in this city <laughs> in 20 years kind of situation, right? Uh, he gets pulled back into an old cold case of his uh, involving a serial killer who was never caught because there's a crime that looks suspiciously familiar to something that he was never able to solve back when he was a young detective like Rami Malek is now. Uh, Jared Leto plays the person of interest in the film with some interesting prosthetics and, and contacts. I don't quite know what he's going I for in this. I don't know if he has prosthetics, John. I think it's just contacts. Do you think he really got that belly? Like, do you think he, no, ate, okay, he actually okay. ate burgers? He's he's definitely wearing a belly suit because he definitely lost weight for the role, which is really only what I want to talk about is that, you like... You think he lost weight for this role? Absolutely. Do you see how gaunt his face is? They hollowed out those eye sockets. Okay. With makeup and weight loss. <laughs> He's definitely making some choices in this movie. I'll give him that. I I have to write the review for this movie still. I'm still chewing on it. I'm still thinking about my kind of overall take on the movie. But I have to say, I did not dislike Jared Leto's performance as the person of interest. Yeah, his character, I think, is a little odd I in what hate they... him but like I, I hate the character I think he's doing a really fucking great job and it's it's maybe because 
how we all feel about Jared Leto. It's possible. It's like feeding into the character he's playing. I'm just going to say, I enjoyed it. I was impressed. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of what's hitting the release slate. That's what we've checked out. We will obviously have a ton more reviews hitting the nofspodcast.com website over the next coming weeks from Sundance and all the stuff that's that's coming out soon. Enough about the preamble, uh, you know, other than PG Psycho Goreman. Go watch that if you haven't watched it yet. P.S. It's been so great to watch the internet fall in love with that movie. I'm having a... This week has been Not great. my hunky boys! <laughs> Not my hunky boys! The uh, my, my entire internet has been talking about this movie nonstop, and it's been a blast. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to see everybody like it, because that movie... Uh, I, I, I don't understand how you couldn't like that movie. Anyway, let's talk about two movies. Let's resurrect some classics. Woo! Beginning with... Fetty Alvarez's Evil Dead. Alvarez's Evil Dead from 2013 is currently sitting at a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, 57% on Metacritic, and 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I am very happy to be talking about this movie on the podcast. Oh, me too. I'm super stoked. I think it's maybe one of, if not the best, horror movie remake ever. I concur. Yeah. And yeah, you know, take like the thing and the fly out of the equation. <laughs> hey, if you want to, if you want to pull hairs, draw straws, whatever the pull actual hairs. phrase of that whatever is. Yep. This is up there. This one is duking it out at the top. Oh yeah. So it should be. What a creative take on a un. Remakeable franchise. 
That's definitely what it always felt like. I think I remember, too, every single person really doubting that this movie would ever be good. Until until that trailer came. You remember that trailer? Oh, man. I've, I've never been so stoked for a movie and blindsided by a trailer before. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, I I remember watching that trailer over and over and over, waiting for the movie to come out. And I very rarely do that. I I, I don't think there's been another time where I've really done that. I think this is one of the movies that re-solidified our place, like, in the fandom. The first one I want to attribute, obviously, uh, Insidious. That one hit us, I think, both together as a huge movie and Evil Dead as well. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, oh, shit, modern horror, still great. Yeah, like, kicked our fandom back into high gear. Yeah. And let's, let's maybe credit them for getting us this far and, and starting the podcast in 2016. Like, yeah. There was a few really great stepping stones in the mid 2000s, uh, early 10s that <laughs> um, really pushed us back into the genre. Yeah, and I am a lifelong Evil Dead fanatic. Uh, Evil Dead 2, I think, is just one of the greatest movies ever made. Period. Um, and and discovering the original Evil Dead movies was like a just like a afternoon that I will never forget. <laughs> but yeah, and I, I I genuinely think this is an incredible movie, both as a remake and as a standalone feature. I'm trying to remember because pre 2020 we did a, our top of the decade. Yes. And this was definitely on both of our lists. Maybe, I don't remember what number, but I think this might have been my number one or my number two pick. I can't remember. I'm going to have to go check that list again. I'd be amazed to find out that it beat Insidious, but I I would also not be shocked if if they were both fighting for number one and number two. Pretty tall order to deliver this movie. And I I was thinking about it while we were watching because this episode in particular is... I would say the two unremakeable films. We're talking about the remakes of the of these two, maybe the most iconic and the most fandom surrounded films of the genre. And I was so I was trying to think of all of the different requirements this movie needed to have. Uh, there's to a lot too, be considered right? an Evil Dead film, or at least to pay homage, like to be a remake, to be an Evil Dead film, and not just like slapping a Cloverfield on it. First thing, obviously, you need the ca- the cabin in the woods. You need that classic, iconic cabin. Second, well, after that, it's kind of not necessarily... <laughs> <laughs> no, after that, it's not necessarily in order. But, like, you need, oh, okay, you need a, a shotgun. You need a chainsaw. You need somebody to lose their hand. You need the, the hand to go crazy, the possessed hand. Sure. You need the hatch to the basement. You need the possessed person in the basement with their head up in the latch. Oh, yeah. You don't get all those things in this movie, though. Yeah, you do. You don't. You don't get an evil hand doing stuff. Well, you do have hand possession. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I apologize. You're right. The tally is complete. And the book bound in skin. You need the demons. Fuck yeah, you need the demons also, and the blood bound book, the skin bound book. <laughs> the the rapey twigs in the woods. You know that was the thing that I. It's not like I was like, ooh, can't wait to find out if they kept this. But <laughs> but the whole time before sitting in the theater, like, man, I wonder if they're gonna keep that because that's that's a weird fucking thing. And then when they do, they do it. It's just like Jesus, you really went there. All of those things you're listing off are just these iconic moments from the Evil Dead franchise and these almost like sticker book 
must haves. Oh yeah, the POV uh, shots going through the woods. Yeah, shit like, like if, that. if you're getting a like dress your ash sticker book, because I'm using my sticker book metaphor continuously. Sure. Yep. It would have all of those things. And then how much is left to make a new movie, right? Like if you have all of those elements you have that you need to input into this movie. There's like, so few areas to be creative. And yeah. this film successfully nails all those things and delivers something that's wholly unique and, and still feels like it is paying that respect to the original franchise. Like doing all those you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And doing them well. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of that credit goes to being so out of left field tonally. And it's weird because whenever I see any criticism about this movie, it is this choice that the humor has been vacuumed out of this movie. There is, there is nothing funny about this movie. Yeah, whatever. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, I would attribute full credit to this movie for being like, we're going to do Evil Dead. We're going to do everything that is Evil Dead at its core, but we're going to treat these deadites like they are the most terrifying, demonic things in existence, and they're going to be scary. There's going to be nothing silly about them. Yeah, I, to be honest, I think that's... I mean, Sam Raimi, it's real hard. He's, he, he, I'm he's sure. He's got camp in his bones. Yeah, like he's, it's half of, his movies are almost three stooges, like horrified, right? Like that's like all of it. It's all full of slapstick humor. He can't avoid it. It's, and it's fine. That's great. That's what makes his movies his. But I'm sure the approach originally for the Evil Dead wasn't like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? Wouldn't it be funny if we did that? But it's decisions that get made on the day or decisions that happen through development, y- yada, yada. I- I'm sure setting out making the Evil Dead, the first Evil Dead, was a humorless project. Just because un- of the heights of making a- an independent feature film. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I think this is closer to what they had in their minds back in 1980 when they were like going out into the woods outside of Detroit to make The Evil Dead. But what's so wonderful about The Evil Dead franchise, and part of why I think it's become such a cult classic, is that when they realized what the horror fans were embracing with the first one, they just took a hard turn and steered right into that. And they were like, oh yeah, we're going to bring you Linda too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's also just more of their own movie when you see it. Like there's, there's the, you, you put more of yourself into this. You weren't just trying to make some, I say Cabin in the Woods movie, fucking Evil Dead practically invented it, right? <laughs> but e- either way, we don't want to talk too much about the, the original Evil Deads, the franchise in general. I want to talk about just mostly this movie itself, which is obviously going to be hard like it's impossible to do that it's a trap for me to start talking about the original evil dead movies because i will talk about them for five hours non-stop no problem part of what i think makes the remake so great is who we've got in the producer's chair right we got sam raimi ron tappard and bruce campbell like the original producers of like the entire goddamn franchise and right the evil dead has been their lives oh maybe yeah. not so much sam raimi but for bruce campbell like he has been ash this entire time yeah he's been writing books i mean he's he's had other performances he's done other he's done other roles but i mean with the resurgence of ash versus evil dead especially talking from like a 2020 lens ash will always be a part of bruce campbell and vice versa yep and it's, it's, I just think it's so great that there exists this tiny little snow globe oh, that boy. is Evil Dead 2013, and it exists fully in, in celebration of the franchise, but is something entirely different and something entirely unique and allows you to visit that lore and really squeeze, like, the scary juice out of it. Oh, yeah. I, you know, it's weird, too. Like, I hear some people say that it's a great 
horror movie, but it's not a great Evil Dead movie, and bah. I couldn't disagree more. All of the things I listed, all of those requirements, all of those nods and those homages, there was such a tall order, so many things to deliver, and they did them and made a good horror movie on top of that. That makes it a su- successful remake. That makes it a successful remake. Yeah, no, it's got plenty of new stuff that it does on its own that are still complete callbacks to all of the other Evil Dead movies. Even just like the uh, like Ash assembling the chainsaw to put on his hand, we kind of recreate that scene in the preparing the battery, like the the homemade defibrillator. Like that whole scene is done exactly. Exactly like Ash building the chainsaw. Tons of tiny little shit. Like fucking even just as simple as like knocking the shelf with your elbow to grab the gasoline. Getting into the crawl space in between the walls. These are all tiny things that call back to moments that you love from those previous movies but are not like... You know, it's it's only stupid super fans like us that are like, hey, that's that thing from that thing I love, you know. But it's just it's great on its own, and you can show this movie to people uh, who've never seen The Evil Dead. I think this movie has a better justification for going into the cabin. Although I will say, you know, just a couple of friends going into the cabin to hang out is still just as easy, it's just as fun. I totally agree, and I I really like how we set up Mia, the Reverse Ash character, yeah, because. She's in a really susceptible place to begin with. She's she's coming in and she's very vulnerable and she's very outside of herself when this thing is awoken. And it's kind of interesting because she is afflicted for the majority of the movie, but she still kind of retains that final girl trope in that she's not the one that transgresses. It's Eric, the friend who, once they find the book in the basement, he's the one that clips the barbed wire, who reads the pages despite all of these warnings within the skin-bound book not yeah, to yeah, read yeah. it. She, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because for the majority of the film, she's not this chainsaw-wielding heroine. She needs to die in order to come back and be the hero, which is just a really interesting change for the film to do. It's great to see her running around being like like all of the demons that you want to see in the movie is essentially like Jan Levy's character. Jane Levy? Yeah. Well, and and you just have to have her as the, the main possession because, holy fuck, does she make a great deadite? Her, <laughs> yeah. her eyeballs, like she's just, I, I don't know what you look for when you're looking to cast a dead ape, but like she has it. Whatever <laughs> it is, <laughs> she's got it. And even too, the, the, it's almost a cameo role, the very tiny role of the first girl that's possessed in the in the intro, the like, oh, I'm the- going to kill you, daddy. Yeah. Her, she's amazing too. She's pretty what great. What a wonderful fucking deadite she made. It's just she, like, why are we burning her? She's great. <laughs> she's cast She's cast as teenager is what I saw. Wonderful. Yeah, she's great. Like, I'm going to eat your soul, daddy. Fuck, that's great. So good. So good. I, you know, also that cold open, cold opens are great. You know, they're, they're, they're awesome. Love them. You kind of need them now. But uh, they, they kind of like had me thinking about the book in a different way than I ever have before. Like, the book is, like, this text. Recipe book. Sure, it's like, it's <laughs> like a recipe book. Okay, like, when how I... How to raise and fold the demon. When I when I think about how they found the how to raise and fold the demons thing in, in the original Evil Dead movies, uh, it's more of a book that's been, that's been hidden, that's been unearthed, that people have... Started to transcribe. Yeah, right? And something something about how it's presented in the remake here makes me feel like the book 
is constantly attracting people to it. And part of that maybe has to do with the whispers that you hear throughout the cabin, like around the book, in the cold open when the girl is tied up in the basement, uh, definitely like before Eric clips the barbed wire and rips the bag open, like you hear lots of whispers. Even Mia is is complaining about hearing voices, which, you know, we, we all just like- And the like, stink, which is fucking wonderful. The stink is great. Because <laughs> she's, she's co- going cold turkey and like her smell is heightened and she knew about the cats and shit in the basement before anybody else could smell them. It's just pretty good. Yeah, well, it's like everything that happens to her, right? They just chalk up to like, oh, these are just hallucinations brought it's on. It's heroin, right? Yeah, it's it's, totally, okay. it's, a, it's a heroin addiction. Like, like hallucinations brought on by her trying to kick it, right? So like that all works super great. But the the idea that like the book is always attracting people to it, and it's I I don't know. I guess it plays into like the idea, like the 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 real Bible idea of Satan and 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 his power over people. It's the power of suggestion, and then it's the idea that it's constantly whispering at you, and like just fucking open it, just go ahead read the book there's nothing wrong with the book like so like it, it's always people that are just like too fucking curious for their own good which is like, so great for well, like transgression in a horror movie and right? it's great too because the book can't be destroyed like i always assumed that this evil dead takes place 30 years after the other evil dead and this is like this cabin has just become like the unofficial church Rad. of this like demonic presence and and the villagers all kind of know about it now like all of these people that live in the woods who practice this witchcraft like they know about it and they've they've all like come back to this church to to like put the demon at rest again and oh, wow. wrap the book back up yeah this and is like this is folk horror now <laughs> and yeah like the fact that the ceremony took place in the basement of their own cabin is just something so fucked so i think that's in in my mind when i watch this the the fact that the, all of that took place in the basement of their own cabin, which, you know, in the original, it's it's just some random cabin that they quote-unquote rented. But <laughs> but it's, it's great that it happened in their cabin. They're going back. It's a comforting place. That's yeah, why like she's there. Yeah, it's like their family cabin. There's yeah. pictures of them, like, in better times. So I've always... I, I've never necessarily looked at the Evil Dead. They and, bought it from the Raimi estate. <laughs> and Evil Dead being part of the same universe. Like, I think it is a straight remake. It's a brand new. We're, like, resetting things. So for all of that to have taken place in the basement of their cabin, I don't I it's it's really cool to hear you talk about like the, the church theory, but I, I just assume this is like the one family in town who's also dealt with this shit and they found this girl who uh, has already killed her mother and like with, you know, dad stumbled into them like, I need your fucking help. My daughter's possessed <laughs> by the devil. There's like, oh, you came to the one group of people who know how to handle this. And that cabin just happened to be the closest cabin around that they could get this fucking done. Like, like our place is two miles back that way. But there's this cabin over here, like 15 feet away. Let's just skin some cats and do it in that basement instead. <laughs> so I do have a theory. About the two movies, the well, it kind of relates to my my theory that this is the same universe and we're okay. We're following up in the. Same I was going to ask you a, a question that would lead us to this at the end, but let's. Do I it now. I know I don't necessarily want to drop it yet, but like we're we're touching so close to my theory that I I I'm just gonna like word vomit it out. Let's hear it. Okay, so this is completely added, Lauren. I'm 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 asking you this because you are the Evil Dead expert in the room. Okay, yeah, definitely just between the two of us. I am not an Evil in Dead expert. In the room, expert. I said. In the room. <laughs> <laughs> 
not in the podcast because there's too many people here listening. Yeah. Um, the added Antichrist rising up from the grave after five people have been murdered. That is new. That is fresh lore. I think to the the 2013 <laughs> film. I'm pretty sure. I don't remember any of that in in the in Evil Dead Two and in Evil Dead One. There's there's barely. It's mainly just like dead Linda ballerina dancing in number two. <laughs> That's all. That's and it. like Ash schmizing in the mirror and being possessed and not possessed. Yeah. I mean, in Evil Dead 2, there's a lot of talk about how there was a person prophesized who came back from the future. Like there's <laughs> there's all that. <laughs> but I don't remember anything about like a, a, the, the Antichrist essentially rising up. So I initially thought that Mia was seeing herself in the woods and yeah. she was being haunted by herself. And I think she is in that moment where she's being raped by that vine. Yeah. But when the Antichrist rises up, it's also a female? I think it's her. Like, it's it's like evil her. But is it? I think so. But is it? Yeah. What if it's not, though? <laughs> okay. Okay, so what What if the Antichrist <laughs> Your is- Your math checks out. Antichrist, I'm getting all Alanis Morissette in here. Yeah. If the Antichrist is a woman- Uh-huh. It would make sense that all of the possessions, the first, the initial possessions in this movie, and I could argue the Evil Dead franchise as a whole, <laughs> it prefers to possess women because the spirit is a woman. Maybe. And it's more familiar. Okay. And that's why Mia is possessed, and then Olivia is possessed, and then Natalie is possessed, and that other guy is only possessed by like, oh, this is all that's left. He's the last dude. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, why even are you the- vibing as hard with my theory as I am? I thought I like solved the film. I was like, "Woo, undead girl power!" I mean, that's Kandarian that's demons. <laughs> I dig it. I'm pretty proud of myself. So, I, I I guess the thing is that with the split nature of good Mia and evil Mia, it plays into the idea of evil Ash and good Ash. And and takes it a step further by having this character like Mia, who is a perfectly loving person, who's very, she's got a big heart, she's good natured, but she's also a junkie. So, like, there are two sides to her already. Like, there is already this fucking demonic presence that lives inside her that she's trying to expel. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just, like, it works perfectly for a demonic possession story. And 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 even too like she she cuts it in fucking half like she literally like splits it. It's pretty good. It's it's great and it's it's it, it speaks to just like the the duality of her character, right? You know that garbage. But we know that the Candarian demons like to play visual tricks, and that the second that they're compromised, or they're they're about to be murdered by their loved ones. They like are able to put on like the cry wolf face, yeah, and be like, "What are you doing? Why are you hurting me? I'm scared. <laughs> it's dark down here in the cellar." And I think the the entity is doing the same thing. Like it's it's putting on Mia's face at times because of that self preservation. Like oh, it'd be she way won't... scarier to deal to try and fight something that has your face. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. But when we see it walking around, and you see you get to see like its rib cage and its shoulders and all of the the weird. It's like anatomy. it's molded in clay, right? Yeah, it's very well, and it's extra tall and too skinny. Like when it's coming out of the cabin shed. Also, an Evil Dead requirement I forgot to mention: you need the side shed. Of course, it's where you keep your chainsaw, or at least your chalk outline of a chainsaw, <laughs> and your Freddy Krueger glove yep but yeah the the anatomy of it is is crazy and i think it's a lady 
and it likes to inhabit ladies. Okay, well, if we're if if we're doing like the big derail talk about this like like bird's eye view, do you know about Sam Raimi talking around 2013 2014 about making more Evil Dead movies and eventually having a Ash. I remember there was talk of a Mia movie. There was talk of a crossover at some point. Yeah, how do you think that crossover would work? I assumed we were going to see her on the TV show at some point. Oh, that's okay. No, I th- I thought the plan was it was well, at least it was talked about as a movie, but in my mind, uh it was that instead of time travel be like universe travel. So in Army of Darkness there are two endings. There's the theatrical ending and then the bootleg ending. Theatrical ending's pretty great. You know, that's the one we all know. He takes the drops. He doesn't say the, the spell properly. And, you know, he wakes up back at S-Smart. And, but, oh, the Deadites are still around. <laughs> you know, and he's got to fight them. Uh, and the, the, the other ending is very similar. But instead, he takes one too many drops. Doesn't necessarily say the spell correctly. And when he wakes up, it's the apocalypse. And Deadites are flying through the fucking sky. It's, it's like Planet of the Apes, right? My expectation, I guess... Super John fan theory. Super John fan theory was that the crossover that would have happened is that the new Evil Dead movie... Would end with the apocalypse. Fede Alvarez's movie exists in the universe where he slept too long, he wasn't awake, didn't go to the cabin with his friends, so now it's a Mia story. Ooh! And then... Because of the demon coming back, which I know Mia kills, but I mean, hey, sequels, you know, like Michael Myers dies in every movie too, but he finds a way to come back. Uh, like in, in The Evil Dead 2, Fede Alvarez is Evil Dead 2. We now get into this apocalypse scenario where deadites are roaming the earth, and that's where Ash wakes up, and that's where he's maybe an older man, which explains why Bruce Campbell is older in this crossover, and then like Mia and Ash go on a fucking apocalyptic showdown with the deadites. And this that's what I've always wanted to say. That's see. a fun theory. Yeah, you know. It, well, it does kind of explain this weird Antichrist, I'm assuming, addition yes. to the remake. What's your favorite scene of this movie? <laughs> My absolute favorite moment. And I think about it every time we watch it because I, I get, like, just excited. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I sit up and I, like, scooch to the end of the seat. It's right after Mia gets infiltrated i guess sure. by the the kandarian demons and they've they've put her in her room and her eyes are so open and her her voice is so breathy and it's just terrifying in the way that haunted house movies are terrifying and the, <laughs> the, there's something in the corner behind you terrifying i remember us watching this thinking that surely there is something in the background that we're not seeing or like some whisper or sound yeah J- jane levy's performance there is so good she kicks so much ass in this movie i think my favorite is probably the bathroom scene with natalie cutting her face off attacking eric man it's vicious it's brutal and it also does the one thing that this movie does so fucking well which is bringing you to like this like huge climactic moment in action and the score is swelling and there's like screaming happening and that siren is going off (laughs) and then we like cut to silence on a scream like they do it so fucking well in this or when when uh, mia is like first attacking everybody in the living room and we go from outside to silence and the camera just bursts through the front of the cabin and now we have a scream oh man they do some great stuff with silence and screams in this movie the sound design is just so fucking good or the sound mixing i guess 
And speaking of that scene, there's something so wonderful about it because it feels, it still feels like it comes pretty early in the film. Like we've only just had a character confirm that like, hey, I don't think this is on the up and up. Like, I don't think she's just Jonesin. And in that instance, she does her big vomit thing and then Olivia is possessed and she's cutting her face off. But then it's not just, it's not just her character that is injured in that sequence because she attacks Eric. And so there's only five people here that can be injured for the sake of this horror movie. And it goes hard. Nobody feels safe. Yeah, nobody knows what's going on and suddenly he has to bash his like best friend's brains in. Also too, she's the nurse. So after this, any first aid that's (laughs) happening is duct tape. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. Everybody's like, And literally right after that too, yeah. Losing limbs, duct tape. Stabbed, duct tape. She stabs him with a piece of the mirror. She stabs him in the face with that fucking needle and he's got to pull it out. It's brutal. It also introduces just how ruthless this film is with like eyeballs and hands and just people being impaled and injured. The needle going in the eye is awful, but for some reason the needle going in the hand when he's bracing her with his hand and she's just stabbing the needle through his hand it, I had to close my eyes there. <laughs> I, like, the needle was already in his eyeball, and then she's stabbing his hand, and I'm like, no! <laughs> what about uh, what about the crowbar that just destroys his hand? Like, oh, splits it in Mutilates two. it. And I have to say, Natalie, Deadite Natalie, is really proficient with that crowbar. Like, she is whipping it back and forth, and it is really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets a lot of hits in, and it's it's brute strength. It's wonderful. She's she's rad. Oh, and she has nails in her head. Like, yeah, she come comes on. into the room with come nails in her head. On. <laughs> yeah, I love, oh man, I love the, the, the self-mutilation in this movie. It's real great, and it looks awesome. It, it's, it's, it's rough. It's hard. It, every time you see it, it's like, oh god, this is gross, but it's pretty fucking pretty fucking rad for a horror movie yeah well and especially like a movie that was so filled with camp and also the fact that we've kept true that these deadites can talk and they're very mocking they almost take pleasure in the violence like there's a lot of fun cuts of mia possessed mia down in the basement just giddy with glee yes when man i love those shots when her like deadite cronies are attacking the remaining humans and there's still nothing funny about it because she looks like fucking linda blair down there yeah i think <laughs> I, I think second favorite scene it's probably favorite moment i don't know is her licking that goddamn blade no oh man Man, is that good? No, I don't oh, like it. Oh, is that good? I don't like it. <laughs> I love everything about no, it. No, I don't like it. <laughs> so great. It's so fucking gnarly. Oh, man. So, the Antichrist, I'm just calling it that, we've been calling it that the whole time, uh, needs five souls collected? Is that the, is that, mm-hmm. was that the terminology? Souls or deaths? Deaths or souls okay. or whatever. Who, um, who do you count in that five? Well, Mia's death counts. You think so? Yeah, because you don't think that like wipes the slate clean because she like she gets her soul back. Yeah, but you think it will, but then Eric is still a deadite because he's who kills. It's not like a Dracula rule though, right? Like it's. I thought it was going to be a Dracula rule. They're just trying to save her soul. Yeah, but if she's the head vampire, (laughs) (laughs) and she's been devamped, yeah. Then all of the fledgling vampires should go back to being human, but that does not occur. So does that mean that? Me- okay, now I've got a better. Now I've got an answer for you, and I'm sure people have been screaming at the podcast, going like, "You fucking idiots! You don't go any goddamn thing." Especially that idiot John. Um, the reason that the demon looks like her is because it's her soul that they've collected already. No. 
Yeah, well, it's it's going on. I'm going off your theory here. No. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so you got soul number one, Mia. They they grabbed that real quick. Got it right away, right? And then and then we get Olivia's, we get Natalie's, we get Eric's, we get David. 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 There we go. You get David, and uh, and then boom. Now now we got all five. And I think the, like the re- I, first I was gonna say what you're what you're telling me based on your math is that at the end of this movie Mia has no soul. I'm not telling you that. You're telling me that. I'm saying that by killing that demon she gets her soul back. It has nothing to do with. Man, okay, I'm losing it. <laughs> <laughs> I just said she was a lady. Okay, my mistake. Okay, I, I, there are two, there are two scenarios here. Either we end the movie with Mia having no soul and just roaming the earth, waiting to go to hell, or well, you kicked heroin, but you've got no soul, <laughs> right? Yeah, or and your friends are dead, or she doesn't regain her soul until she, she teams up with Ash until she. <laughs> Gotta team up with Ash to get her soul back. This is the movie I want to see. <laughs> no, like it'd be, be like, and, and until she cuts that demon in half with a chainsaw, that's when she gets her soul back because they already have it. Like the five have already been collected. I think she counts as one of the deaths, but I don't know if the, I follow your soul theory. The only other theory is that the fifth soul that I was unaccounted for because Mia gets hers back. The dog. The dog. <gasps> Grandpa's death was not for nothing. It actually counts for something. The one horror movie where a dog death is meaningful, I guess, based on this made-up logic that I'm coming up with, (laughs) he counts as one of the souls. In fact, maybe the first soul. Okay, so we got Mia, Grandpa. I I missed opportunity to not have the dog come back as a deadite. Oh, that would have been good. Right. That would have been real good. Although, see, there we're bringing in the camp. You can't have the camp. Uh, Okay, that's a good point. But, like, fuck does this movie have an incredible finale, too, right? This movie is firing on all goddamn cylinders. Well, just the visual of the raining blood with the cabin on fire, you're just like... <laughs> as a horror fan, that's <laughs> like a horror fan kryptonite. Fuck yeah! You're the just Book like... of the Dead on the ground just getting covered in blood. <laughs> and there's a chainsaw, and you're just like, oh, okay, she... yes, please. <laughs> yeah, she's got to rip her own goddamn hand off because it's stuck underneath the Jeep? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's good. Man, it also, like, she cuts that fucking demon in half, and it's still blinking while like, it's, like, the split. Mouth. And it sinks back into the fucking dirt. <gasps> when it sinks in the dirt, it's just, like, so satisfying. There is so You're much. Like, bye. <laughs> Till next time we read the book, because we will. <laughs> Man, it kicks a lot of ass. So good. Are you ready to do ratings? Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Let's do it. I'll give this a four out of four, four right now. Four out of four. Fuck, I love this movie. Kel Supreze. Yeah, this movie <laughs> kicks ass. And we, oh, we came out of the gate saying this was the, one of the best remakes ever made. And like, oh, maybe um, two and a half. I Obvious mean, four I, If I could four. only do a complaint, like, I think maybe the brother was originally intended, like, perception-wise to play more of an Ash role. Sure. And then it becomes Mia at the end. And I almost wish that, I, it's, oh, it's hard because Mia is so wonderful as a deadite. I want maximum deadite Mia, but I also want her to have more chainsaw time. Sure. Maybe I just need the fucking sequel. I just need the sequel. I just want more chainsaw Mia. 
All will be forgiven with another Evil Dead movie, please. Thank you. <laughs> I just need two more hours of Chainsaw Mia, please. The only thing that like got on my nerves a little bit this time was Eric. He's got one too many scenes going like, oh, what? Everything's going to be fine? We're fine now? I, he lived it's fucking way... raining blood, man. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be fine. He lived way long for being the wiener that read the book. Yeah, also they, they... And that's what made me think of my, my female theory, because he deserved to die first, and he dies last, well, second last, because mm. prefers to possess the ladies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ladies! Yeah, there's no cover charge on ladies when it comes to demon possession. Girls night! <laughs> but guys have to wait at the back of the line. <laughs> yeah, four to four from the both of us. This movie kicks a lot of ass. The perfect Nightmare on Film Street score. That's true. Which happens often, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we usually like movies in tandem. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do appreciate those episodes where like one of us loves it a little more than the other, but it is... Cough, Rose Red. Cough, Maniac. But, <laughs> but you know, it is it is nice when it's just like two, two idiots just drunk on having a good time. You know, like watching a horror movie, being friends about it. <laughs> <laughs> Blood! <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just fist bumping chainsaws. That's a tattoo we should get. Anyway, uh, we're leaving the remote cabin. We're heading to the mall. We're going shopping. We're talking about Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. You know who else likes to shop? The ladies. (laughs) Okay. Officials have declared a state of emergency. Everybody they kill gets up and kills. Residents are advised to find a safe place and stay there. I've just been informed that we are going off the air and switching to the emergency broadcasting system. Look up the road, there's a lot more of them. Why are they coming here? Maybe they're coming for us. Sooner or later, they're gonna get in here. Our baby's gonna be fine. It's only a matter of time. It's coming. They'll find a way in. Oh, God. The Dead from 2004 is currently sitting at a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, 59% on Metacritic, and 3.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. This was, of course, the movie that introduced the world to Zack Snyder and is kind of almost nothing like any of the other movies he's ever done. Yeah, I, actually, I was going to say something off the top of this second half of the episode. <laughs> something interesting about both of the films we're talking about this week is that they are both feature directorial debuts. This is Zack Snyder's first feature film, and Evil Dead is Fetty Alvarez's. Rad. Yeah. When you when you look at Zack Snyder's, I mean, hell, when you look at And both they both have them, dead in the title. They both have dead, yeah. Double dead. Dead. We double dead dare Again. you. Again. 
<laughs> I think we're brainstorming the title of this episode. I think that's what's happening right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, when you look at their short films, it's no surprise. And, like, you can really see, you know, the tricks that they they have that are being used throughout the rest of their career, especially Zack Snyder. Um, oh, yeah. I feel completely at ease knowing that he went into superhero films after taking the George A. Romero zombie verse into this speedy, fast-paced, zoom, cut, splice, blood zombies. It's very... <laughs> He was working towards insert superhero film. He does. You you can really <laughs> see it in the gunfights. Like specifically, there's a there's a shootout, a real slow shootout between what's his name, Andre and Norma. Um, oh, where- that is such a weird scene. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, where, like... She drops her cigarette, like, okay, it's the last cigarette she'll ever have. I get it, (laughs) Zack Snyder. (laughs) But, yeah, but, like, the smoke coming off the cigarette, and then the smoke coming out of the fucking bullet cartridges. Are you filming a demo reel right now? That's exactly what it looks like. (laughs) No, like, those scenes look, like, straight up out of his short films. And, like, whatever, I'm not... I was not planning on making this, like, as... Zack Snyder fanboy podcast, but like I like it. Kind of sounds like a Zack Snyder mean boy podcast. Oh well, I mentioned it in the most positive way. Like, oh, you could see his short films in these moments. Da, 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 da. But oh. like, some of his short films are great. Let's not get into it. Uh- <laughs> we know you've seen his short films. I don't know why I can't get out of this box. <laughs> like I've literally closed myself in it and taped it from the inside. <laughs> Have you seen his short films? <laughs> oh God, my favorite, favorite favorite thing about this movie is probably something Zack Snyder had nothing to do with and it is the opening credits of this movie. Woo! Man do I love the opening credits where it's like a a red text and then all of a sudden it's like a fan. It's like oh shit it's made out of blood and a fan is blowing it away real fast (laughs) and we got that fucking needle drop on just like goth Johnny Cash. It's the best Johnny Cash we ever had. I also think it's super efficient because one of the most amazing things about Dawn of the Dead and this remake is you are dropped right into this, I can't even say post-pandemic because we're not post, but because this zombie virus spreads so quickly, there is no dissent. It is. It just goes from no- completely normal day to, oh shit, the world is on fire. Yeah, like everything is blowing up around them in the time that it takes her to have like a short nap, pretty much, right? Yeah, and this movie doesn't have time to designate to endless news broadcasts and seeing the, the state of the rest of the world because part of what's so great about Dawn of the Dead is it has always been, and especially in the original, a character study. It's about these characters and how they're dealing with the setting they're in. Yeah. And them being isolated in the mall is such a huge aspect of their situation. So we need to get them there as fast as possible. And those title credits, they give us those clips that we need to know, okay, this is a zombie infestation. What kind of zombies are we in for? Like, it's it's a quick debriefing that doesn't languish on, like, she sees a news broadcast and they're watching it and they're like, what could this be? Like, her husband is dead in under five minutes. Yeah, and then we never talk about him again. <laughs> like, never once him, does it come up. They sleep together. He's dead. <laughs> That's it. You know, uh, oh man, another great thing is that that overhead shot where she falls into the fucking bathtub when she's running away from him. I don't know why I like that so much. It's Love good. It. It's yeah, great. <laughs> real good. It's also wonderful, too, to see her when we're introduced with the lead character who we're talking about, Anna. Yeah. 
she is going about just this regular day of her life. She works overtime as a nurse at a hospital. She's driving home and she like she wants to unwind. So she listens to the radio, music radio instead of talk radio. Mm -hmm. And just like a regular person would have who's not on the alert for any news, she misses an alert broadcast. When she gets home to finally see her husband after a really long day, they decompress. They go and they are intimate. Yeah, we see them missing that broadcast and while they're they having miss, sex in the shower. Yes, they yeah. miss another emergency broadcast. So they are completely unprepared when zombie neighbor girl wanders into their house and eats her husband. They are very not surprised when a little girl has just helped herself into their house. The husband is concerned. He He's worried something's wrong. Like, well, at f- he's he's worried not, once he not sees Not zombie her- worried, yeah. but he's just like, hey, is everything okay? Because, I mean, they are close neighbors. She's obviously close with the... That was the girl that was... Yeah, skate, roller skating. I can skate backwards. Yeah, yeah, so I assume that, like, I don't know, daddy shot mommy or something weird happened. I always got the impression that he was just like, hey, what's going Oh, it's just Vicky. Like, he was, like, very not concerned. No, he tried to wake her up. He was like, the neighbor girl's here for some reason. <laughs> that would be so fucking weird. <laughs> and she, I think she's undead. P.S. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, are you undead today? <laughs> Bigger thing to deal with, yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the difference in the zombies of... 2004 Dawn of the Dead to the original George A. Romero zombies. Because the George A. Romero patented zombies, ghouls as they prefer to be mm-hmm. nomered, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they are more lumbering, more slow. They are stronger in packs than being individual. And they're, they're more clamoring. They're kind of like all-consuming in that ants way. Like a group of ants. <laughs> yes. These ones are like bees. Scary as one, extra scary with lots. I would have appreciated if they were a little more blue. Like, I like that weird blue ghoul color. I really love the ghoul paint in the original. Oh, yeah. And maybe it's like a nostalgia thing. Like, ooh, it's so retro. Look at these ghouls. I don't know. And these these people definitely look proper dead. They de- they're bloody. They're gory. Some of them are missing parts of their faces. There's some f- there's some fun varieties too. There's a couple like skeletal ones who definitely died early on in the pandemic, and a lot of people are eaten too. So that's fun. Yeah, I mean, even that little girl, like somebody definitely bit off her lips. Like her her face is fucked up. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, no, I uh, I like them. I think these are. You know, sure, I, I will always like the slower, lumbering, marching toward you I love slowly a good, zombies. Yeah, I love a good slow zombie. It's got a way better metaphor. But for like what this movie's trying to say and do with its zombies, uh, I think it totally fits, and I think they do a great job with it. Yeah. Yeah, they I look think... great. Like, as far as, as far as running zombies go, fast zombies, they fucking nail it. Like, I was going to say, we're not really zombie elitists. We're, no. But there's always that argument, like, do you prefer slow zombies or fast zombies? I, I prefer slashers. <laughs> Or haunted houses. No, yeah. it it, uh, it it depends on the story you're trying to tell. Like it's a fictional monster. It can be whatever metaphor it needs to be. Yeah. Or even if it's not a metaphor, even if you just want a ghoul in your movie, make it the ghoul that you dream. Yeah. I honestly just want the person who made the movie to have a very strong stance in one camp or the other. Like, and I never don't... tell us why. Yeah. No. <laughs> never bring it up ever. <laughs> yeah. I'd say that the zombies of Dawn of the Dead 2004 are like. If there was a, a gas meter and George A. Romero's zombies are empty <laughs> and 28 Days Later zombies are full tank, okay. I would say we're sitting at three quarter full with Dawn of the Dead 2004. What's full tank? I told you. Oh, I'm sorry. 28 got... Days Later. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I made a visual image for you. <laughs> I got, I completely got lost. Like, And you could have just said a graph. 
You could have said anything. You you chose gas tank meter. There's a lot of gas in this movie. I wanted to be on brand. <laughs> oh yeah, no, this movie's going whole hog, full force, right forward. <laughs> There's a lot of like propane blowing up and trucks and other trucks. I love that car that gets T-boned into the gas station. That's crazy because it's just like a uh, regular day. <laughs> she just like blows <laughs> past her like, okay. <laughs> Almost against all odds, a few people survive this morning and make it to the mall. They are real dead set on that mall. Like, it doesn't seem like the obvious all... decision. Not to, I'm going to do my best not to keep calling back to the original Dot of the Dead, but don't they land because they're, like, out of gas? They're just like, oh, fuck, we got to land somewhere. Oh, here, this mall is fine. And then they're like, hey, you know what? Not a bad place. And but... I think resource-wise, it's like, oh, shit, this is a good spot. Yeah. Except half the toilets don't work. <laughs> yeah, there's that. I mean, how many malls have grocery... Well, they got food courts. What am I talking about? They got some food. Yeah, and they got big freezers. Like, you're sure, good. Sure, yeah. Good. They, every, everybody is like, the mall. We're headed to the fucking mall. <laughs> like, in the beginning of this movie. I would go to a mall. I don't know. The mall's got a lot of doors, right? Yeah, and they are glass, which is kind of scary. But yeah. something that they really harnessed in this one and the original with that weird storeroom they were in is... The height, going up to another floor. I mean, these zombies are smart as fuck, though, so, like, they could probably figure out how to get up if they got in. Because I want to bring attention to Spotlight of the Zombie Day, the one zombie in the parking garage who has lost his legs oh, and yeah. learned how to climb pipes. Yeah. He's just, like, trapezius around. <laughs> yep. Oh, man, that was real good. I don't. I did not remember that whatsoever. Hand ninja zombie. He was fast, too. <laughs> he was just like, bah! And that is very clearly not a zombie who spent his, like, regular human life without legs. Like, somebody definitely bit them off. Yeah, he must have been a lifter, though, because he needed to have... Even if a zombie's, like... So <laughs> we he... talking about he's got that undead strength, No, right? but you can't... Just zombies don't generate muscle mass. They're dead. So I'm assuming they, they can only use like what they've got. It's rage. Although, when that really big woman dies, she runs. Yeah, no, she can run. She's got a cool-ass creature design, we'll call it. She looks scary. And the greatest thing about her, too, I know we're jumping around, is that- Sure are. Oh, no, we're, we're spotlighting zombies. This is fine. Yeah. She's like a ticking time bomb of stress because we know how the zombies spread. We are all well-versed in zombie spreading, but oh, none yeah. of the characters are aware yet. And they just like invite her in and they're like, oh no, she's ill. Let's help her. And invite everybody's her like, in. they wheel her in no! in a fucking wheelbarrow. <laughs> no. <laughs> and what does she do? She dies and tries to eat them. You know, they, they figure out pretty quickly that you can't get bitten by zombies. Like, as proof by the guy who was bitten and then slowly turns into a zombie that they got to kill in front of his daughter, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and then at no point... He reminds me of, sorry, Jim Carrey as Olaf. <laughs> kinda. Yeah. He's the dad from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I know, who also reminds me of as Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey, Count Olaf? Right. <laughs> as Count Olaf. <laughs> got it, all right, so when they remake series of unfortunate events again tap this dude yeah he's coming in for sure either way they're like they they learn those rules and then they strike up a friendship with andy the gun shop owner and at no point do, th do they ever talk about hey man don't get bit i know yeah like all they did was play chess shoot zombies and then I, I try and send each other food at no point did they let him know the rules I guess he's not listening well it's not really being on the radio at all right like it's all I think all the broadcast broadcasts stuff. shut down pretty quickly because the mall security guys are have made home base in the in the TV store yeah and the they... next day it's all fuzz 
I love that the mall security guys are like, we're going to take the TV store. You guys have the bed store. I know. Like, what? You're prisoners. Enjoy comfort. Man. There's something at the beginning of this movie that happens that they never, ever come back to that it looks like they're really setting up for something. Like Ving Rhames becoming a zombie, slowly. Because- Elaborate on this. In the fountain at the very at the very front of the mall or one of the entrances. Yes! There was that close-up shot of Anna washing her bloody hands off in the fountain. Uh like from inside the fountain. And then there's like a real close-up shot on Ving Rames getting cut before falling into that fountain with a zombie. Yeah, I assumed there was gonna be some cross-contamination with that fountain. Something, right? Also because of like how spotlighted the fountain was too initially in the film like hey guys we're at this mall look at this super cool crossroads mall fountain yeah I think it's probably something that just got changed like in posts like reshoots or something they changed the ending for that or whatever that's just my guess because like at no point does it ever come up for anything ever again. Yeah, really the, and this is the problem too I find with a lot of zombie movies is that bites transmit the virus, but we're never quite sure if it's the bloodstream being accessed of the human being or if it's like the saliva of the zombie. Like if it's both of those things, then how come like when a zom- when you cut up a zombie and it bleeds and you get that blood in your mouth, you're not instantly a zombie. I think it's just like if it looks good in an action sequence, you're good. <laughs> right? <laughs> like if you blow its head off and you're covered in blood afterwards, it's just like, yeah, but it was pretty cool, so he's safe. And especially too, this film, we're actually dealing with somebody in the medical field. Anna, the lead character, is a nurse, so she's not necessarily cautious around the blood initially. I mean, when she's dealing with her husband as he's dying, like, she doesn't really understand the zombie virus at all, so she's trying to save him. Yeah. But after he gets back up and he's a zombie, if I were her, I would be taking those clothes off immediately, Mm -hmm. and she wears them the whole day. And that's infected blood she's got on her. She's in mourning. That's why she's wearing those clothes. All right, fine, John. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, like the husband never comes up once, like with the whole. And you know, it would have slowed the movie down anyway. Like I don't. We don't have time for it. emotions. Who gives a shit? Just get a new boyfriend. <laughs> he sells TVs at Best Buy. He's fine. <laughs> he used. He's to. got good instincts. Though. He's got great instincts. Yeah. it's because he's a good dad. You know, mm-hmm. that was his he best, was a good. Dad. That was his best dad. Yeah, my the worst job I ever had was being a husband. But I think I was best at being a dad. I like that line. It, it was fine. You know, <laughs> whatever. I liked it. There's nothing bad about it. It was good. <laughs> uh, it was very revelatory. But the, there's, there is definitely some questions that I have about the transmission of the virus. Because there is absolutely no scene where the pregnant woman Luda. Luda? You're lying. You when missed, does she get bit? You missed it. it. You said it was on the way to the mall? On the way to the mall, she gets bit. So then weeks later, she becomes a zombie? Meanwhile, this one guy who got bit in like, especially oh, Andy. Oh no, I lied. It's not on the way to mall, uh, the mall. It's when they're in the mall and there's that first sequence. She gets bit. I think it's near the the fountain. Either way, in the, in the beginning of the movie, she gets bit. Okay, well it still takes her a hell of a long time. Hell of a long time. Well, I think it was a just a scratch, maybe, because okay. they looked at her arm and she was like, it hurts. And he was like, oh, baby. And she was like, it hurts. I don't know where my brain was when that was happening, but apparently it wasn't right here in my body. Yeah, she definitely <laughs> got wounded. And I will agree, her incubation period was quite long. Yeah. 
still made for a fucking like rad moment though like she gives she she dies becomes a zombie still gives birth to a zombie baby like i and then they fucking shoot it like i love how dark this movie gets and i'm surprised they got away with it like i'm real surprised they got away with it I'm surprised the fellow mall friends just let them quarantine themselves in the kids' zone. Especially the nurse. Yeah, and they knew he she got scratched. They had to have known she got scratched. Either way, if somebody's being evasive, you got scratched. Yeah, or at the very least, you're you're hatching a plan, you know? Or you got scratched. <laughs> <laughs> or you got scratched. But yeah, like, as the nurse, I feel like she should have at least, like, elbowed her way into the situation to try and at least say, hey, you know... I can help deliver baby. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's what that's the one thing that I'm bringing to the crew, which brings me to my my first real question that I want to ask you. What do you what's your like unique special skill that you bring to oh, your God. survival group and what store in the mall do you call home? <laughs> okay, so I'm actually depicted in this movie. Oh. The character that I am is the guy in the sewer that <laughs> loses his legs. <laughs> And is dragged by the security guard in the water who's shooting at the zombies as as they they run after us. 50,000 quarters at the arcade, <laughs> training for this one moment. Yeah, I actually am a good shot, though, so maybe that. At arcades? Yeah, uh, at, yeah you kick yeah. my ass all the time. I got a good, a good eye for zombie targets, actually, especially. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very true. I've been practicing. <laughs> No, I actually have no skills, so... All right. <laughs> I could make the zombies a website. Oh, um, good. Yeah, I could talk about how the zombies make me feel um, for credit on the internet and <laughs> moderate acclaim. Let's say minor acclaim. These are all things that matter in the apocalypse, <laughs> that's for sure. And I could fictionalize the story into a moderately humorous horror film. <laughs> Okay. The store at the mall yeah, what that store I would you choose, home? that I would hunker up in. If there was like a Zeller's, definitely there because macaroni and cheese and a pot to cook it in. Zeller's n- doesn't exist outside of Canada. And I'm talking about like a Zeller's. doesn't even exist in Canada I'm anymore. I'm talking about a Zeller's type, type store, like a Kmart, a Target. You can't just take the whole anchor store. I get the anchor store. <laughs> what department? <laughs> Let's say the anchor store is where we're all hanging out. Food. <laughs> I get that. The dried goods section. It, and that'll be currency. I'll, yeah. or, or I'll throw beans at my enemies. <laughs> I guess, like, my only, like, real skill in the group would be to either, like, cook or look real mean when bikers show up to try and take our gear. You so know? you like, try to fight Tom Savini? Is that what you're saying? I, I would have to just try and intimidate him away. I can't fight. Uh, you'd be like, I, too, am a biker. I know the ways. <laughs> You know, we let us bond without ever talking about technical specs. <laughs> <laughs> We've been camping before, and you know, like you, you go camping, like you don't have a proper shower for a few days. Like having a beard and and not being able to have a proper shower is not great. It gets real itchy and it hurts. And I got <laughs> I got sensitive skin. I found out, and uh, so you really hate being a zombie. Well, I was thinking about. The zombie apocalypse, and just like, well, it would make mo- the most sense would be to just shave the goddamn beard you off. You don't have time to shave in a zombie apocalypse. You're just gonna braid it like Willie Nelson and move on. <laughs> and move, okay, yeah. But also, I need to look tougher than I am, <laughs> which is not tough at all. <laughs> and the beard helps. Like I can, I can, I can, you know, wince. Uh, wince like, is that the word you no, mean? What am I trying to say? Grimace? Squint. I can squint. And have a beard, and like that alone, arms crossed, denim jacket, maybe. Like, okay, he looks like he 
might be able to throw a punch. That's all I got. You sound like you're trying to be that fashion Santa that everybody was crazy about a couple years ago. Again, a very Toronto reference. No one knows what you're talking this about. This is a Toronto-based film. That's a good point. They shot this in Markham, right? On brand. Uh, I think they shot it in Thornhill, was okay. the mall that was that they found. Yeah. And a lot of the actors are Canadian. The costume designer is Denise Kronberg, R.I.P. So outside of the running zombies being a, a huge difference between the original movie and this one, like the the other big big difference is how many people we have, right? Like in yeah. the original Dawn of the Dead, it's how three people, how you know, four. It shouldn't spoil anything. How four <laughs> people <laughs> handle a zombie how one a- helicopter's <laughs> worth of people handle a zombie apocalypse in isolation, right? Completely cut off from the outside world with just them. And it's more about the isolation aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 this, it's more about how. People immediately turn on each other no yeah, matter what, right? And, and especially watch. This is the first time we've watched the film in a post-pandemic world. For some reason, we like we watch this film often. Oh yeah, um, I like this movie. I think the reason particularly is that it's one of the only movies that we have a digital code for. Oh yeah, so and, like anytime we leave the house, it's just like it's on the laptop. Like you want to watch Psycho again or Dawn of the Dead? <laughs> exactly. So we've seen it a lot, but watching it. In and this is going to happen so much now, watching it in a post-pandemic world, like after having lived through a pandemic, obviously not a zombie pandemic, but a, a pandemic of pretty sizable stress and scale, mm-hmm. it is crazy to see how almost like psychic they were with the breakdown of assholery. <laughs> this film has like, I see those assholes today. Yeah, they're like, everywhere. The biggest asshole in this in this story, the head security guy. Uh, he's, he makes a good turn. He's around. got such a good redemption arc, and yeah. I love him by the end. And I'm like, fuck you! I hated you so much for not wearing your mask, you asshole. Redemption. Don't yeah, go to the grocery right. store. <laughs> redemption for CJ. He really turns it around. He becomes an essential team player. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so much harder to watch these movies without adding all of my new coronavirus baggage to them. Sure. And a lot of it is the social breakdown and the, the structures of how everything just collapses instantly. And it becomes like an every man for himself. And just like the fact that the security guards won't let them in. And it's been less than a day at this point. The mall hadn't even opened yet. It's crazy. And when I originally watched this movie, I was like, this wouldn't happen. These people wouldn't be this cruel so early, so quickly. Yeah, you look at it as just like an exaggerated zombie trope. Yeah, and the cop, like, and Ving Rhames, he is already cold by the time he bumps into Sarah Polly, which is way early. It's it's just crazy. But, turns out, true. <laughs> He's such a great character in this movie. Like, he, he just, you know, for the longest time, just wants to get to his brother. But, like, he's got no ties to these people, and he kind of makes He's very it... cold. Yeah, real cold. Except like... for... <laughs> Except for his buddy Andy, yeah. right? Like, that's... The bromance of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> they start playing chess together and shit. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Uh, really, they just start chatting. Andy's such a cool addition to this story, too. And, I mean, it also just makes for a great sequence. where Get they, up, they... come on, get down with the sickness. There are a lot of good needle drops in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, well, there's three, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there's that Johnny Cash needle drop, which is real good. The Richard Cheese never disappoints uh, in this. <laughs> and and uh, the actual down with the sickness by the disturbed, the disturbed, disturbed. Oh, uh, uh, uh. Is it the disturbed or is it just disturbed? Uh, oh, I think it's just disturbed. Okay. Right at the end. Yeah, it's good stuff. Everybody in this movie sucks, right? 
Like, I don't like anybody. Like, even Michael, who's supposed to be the the the... <laughs> The nice guy who's the the reluctant group leader who is very Oh yeah, I kinda dislike everyone. Yeah, nobody's good. Like even even Sarah Pauly, our lead. Like I just like ah but something maybe about that's you. Saying something about the people who survived this, like how bad and grim the situation is because only like the every man for his himself I think about that all the time. Type of people are the ones that survive. So yeah. it makes complete sense that they're already in these weird hierarchies when there's only twelve of them. Man, a week into the zombie apocalypse and every good person is dead. God damn. And Norma, the last decent American left. <laughs> she was doing massages. She was bringing them candles and towels because the power went out. Hmm. Man, sharing cigarettes with people and stuff. All she wanted to do was have a smoke and make friends and <laughs> bitch about something. <laughs> oh, hmm. R.I.P. Norma. Yeah. I mean, I like the dog. Chip's good. It's weird that the zombies don't eat the dog. Why don't they care? Yeah, I think it's fun. I do very much like CJ, though. The security guard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but yeah. at the end, obviously. Of course. You're not supposed to like him in the no, beginning. No, he's a deck in the beginning. Yeah, you know, he's 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 good because he is the character you always meet in the zombie apocalypse stuff where, you know, I run the fucking show here. I'm the boss. You do what I say. I'm a fucking tyrant. And... I will shoot you. There are no laws now. Yeah, and then But they... also don't steal from the mall? There's that great fucking moment, right, where they're, like, outlining their plan. Like, you mean to tell me that we're going to just take two buses and gear them up and drive across a fucking zombie hellscape with no idea where we're going to get to a boat to a place that we don't even know exists just because? They're like, yeah, that's the plan. All right, fine, I'm in. (laughs) Like, this just, why is that such a good moment? It's good because I think that's when everybody is on the same page that like, just oh, waiting for the zombies to kill us isn't a great plan and we'd rather die for a glimmer of optimism. And I mean, a lot of them do die. Oh, man. a lot of And a lot of them don't die from zombies. <laughs> like, that's the other thing. There's that. There's the unreligious organist who fires up a chainsaw and just accidentally falls onto a girl and then himself. Yeah. Oh, man. That fucking that chainsaw like rail that they built is real rad. I love the sequences when they're escaping. And, and you know, unfortunately, poor Andy uh, has become a zombie. He's holding up his blood-splattered sign. Aww. Such a good image, right? Oh, it's good. But that when the horde of zombies just like surrounds the bus, it looks so good. It's very spooky. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's because bodybuilders are throwing fucking propane tanks back at you. It's like something out of a out of a video game. Out it's of a good. movie. It's like something out of a movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, you never said what store that you would belong in. Oh, the bookstore. It's where the coffee is, and also somebody's gonna need to learn how to grow plants. I think about that all the time, and everybody's just like, "What's the first store you're going to during a, like a global pandemic? You know, one worse than this one, like the library. I'm going to the library. I'm grabbing all the books on how to build a solar panel, a clock with a potato, and and, <laughs> and plant more potatoes. Like, those are the- okay, I need a potato for my clock. Yeah, first book I need to find the Dewey Decimal System, which is gonna <laughs> tell me where to find the other books. <laughs> And if you get hungry, you can eat paper for a little bit. That's true. Yeah, there you go. Once I've got that knowledge, I'm invaluable <laughs> because I've I've used the books to kindle a fire. And if you want to learn how to grow a pepper, so you're going to burn again. down the library after you have consumed <laughs> yes. the books, and you're like, I am the bearer of knowledge. You're like, why is he wearing that crown he made? <laughs> yeah, and then they shoot me. <laughs> No, yeah, but seriously. Would you like to tell time again? <laughs> yeah, no, I would like to be in the library. I think that would be rad. Providing the library has food, though. 
Well, the library is not going to necessarily have The water food. fountain will stop, John. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> will run out of biscottis very quickly because that's a pretty much all you're going to get. Maybe like a really shitty stale bagel. <laughs> uh, and then, but bookstores, you know what they're really big on? Throw pillows and cozy socks and blankets. Like every fucking bookstore has got like a, do you want to make a little book nook for you to be all comfy cozy? Don't knock a good book nook. I'm just saying you can definitely make a bed out of all that stuff. So I've got everything but food. The one essential thing humans (laughs) need to survive. See, now that Zellers is starting to look pretty sweet because Zellers also have books, but they're only like Daniel Steele and one Stephen King book. Whatever he wrote most recently, or that they're making a movie into. Yeah, that dumb sticker that's not an actual sticker. Now a feature film. Why did you print it on the cover? Why did you put the poster of the movie on this book? I don't want to own this now. (laughs) Can you imagine bitching about that in the zombie apocalypse? Yeah. (laughs) You're forever hunting around for the one copy of Dreamcatcher by Stephen King that doesn't say now a major motion picture. You're like, man, this book isn't even good. Why is this the like? Why is this the Twinkie that I'm holding on to? You got one thing that you would like search for in the apocalypse? I guess you wouldn't know until you didn't have it. Dog friend. Yeah, dog friend. Sounds like there might be lots of them. Lots of dog friends. Yeah. Army of dog friends. That'd be cool. And then you go, go, my pretties. <laughs> and then instead of attacking, they all just like lick their butts. <laughs> You're like, I have trained them well. I mean, though, think about it. If a helicopter is going to stop, is it going to stop for a giant SOS or 30 really cute dogs at, on the roof? At the very least, somebody's looking down. Like, and then what if shit? they have scarves on? <laughs> like, they're all wearing bandanas and they've all been, like, trimmed nice from the pet store? Mm-hmm. Not bad. That's and how what? you really get the emergency helicopter to stop. The ending of this movie is surprisingly bleak, right? I don't know. Oh, no one lives. What are you talking about? You think so? <laughs> yeah, it gets all found footage and shit, which is rad. It is. I like a good <laughs> credits. <laughs> credits. Yeah. <laughs> Zombies? Credits. They open that fucking cooler in like the, the fisherman's boat. There's just a zombie head in there. That's definitely some guy who brought his fishing buddy with him, right? Aww. Love it. But they get to the island, and the island is just full of fucking zombies because it's inescapable. I'm, I remain optimistic. They dropped the camera and they went back in the boat. Although the boat had a bunch of shit happening, like they were fucked. Yeah, I think the boat had officially died. Like they yeah, probably like the paddled their broke. way. Yeah. yeah, they ran out of food and water. They got the sails, right? They could figure out how to sail. They didn't have man. the book for it, John. Being on a boat, it's probably a good idea in a zombie apocalypse. You'd have to like post up near shore for a few days just to wait and see if there's any activity before going in. But that's no big deal. Maybe not a little boat, like a yacht, yeah. A tiny little boat? Ugh. You get in so many fights with people. You're like, your elbow touched me again! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what it is about this movie that I like. I think it's just good. Like, I think it's just a good zombie movie. I think it's great. It's it's fun. It's fast-paced. It's got interesting characters, despite the fact that you hate every single one of them. (laughs) I think one thing, too, we didn't touch on which I think makes this a really great remake, is how accessible it is. Oh, yeah, you it don't have to have watched any of the yeah, other ones. Yeah, and it doesn't make you feel dumb. Like, this could be the first zombie film you ever watched, and you would understand the rules of zombies and the structure of a zombie movie right away. Yeah, and I, I don't think any of the cameos that you see with, like, Tom Savini or or Ken Forey or anything, are are moments that when I watched it the first time, I was like, this guy's clearly from the first... Like, I knew it was a remake, but I, I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't seen it. And there wasn't 
ever a moment where it felt like, oh, this is fan service to something I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all very natural. It's all there. I love that they got Ken Forhey to come back and say that fucking line. Like, that's real fucking good. <laughs> and he's a completely different character. And it's it also just, like, changes the tone of the whole movie. Anyway, that's, 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 that's what remakes are for, you know? <laughs> Surprise. But yeah, you can you can just jump into this, no problem. And I I love the the design of the zombies. I think they look great. And as far as running zombies go, yeah, they're fun. Yeah, I wish there was a little bit more attention paid to the zombies and that I know it's a very fast-paced movie and this is the style of it, but I almost wish we could have slowed down for a couple moments just to see some of the individualizations of the zombies because that's the one thing I'm missing in this movie is like getting those close-ups of a zombie and being like, ew, gross, another one. Ew, gross, another one. <laughs> um, you do catch a few, but it's almost like a Where's Waldo type of situation where you're like, look at that one. Yeah, especially when they're picking them all off, right? Mm-hmm. And that I think that maybe that's just the special effects makeup attention in me where I'm like, I want to see all of the gross. More intestines is just basically it. Just I just want to see them. I just want them out, and I just want to see them. Yeah, I just want what's coming to me. <laughs> I just want my fair share. Of intestines. <laughs> of intestines. <laughs> I knew a bunch of people from church back when I was going to church when I was younger, when this movie was being filmed, who had bought a bunch of props when they finished filming this movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because it was like around the corner from the church, pretty much. And like some of the kids there, like older kids than me at the time, the cool kids, um, they their friends went to go be extras in the movie, and they just like slapped a little bit of makeup on them, like, all right, mill about over there. And at the end, if you want, you can buy this severed arm. <laughs> that, was, that was what happened. They would that think, sounds like a fun day. Yeah, that sounds like a great day. I would have loved to have done that. But alas, no. Are you ready to do ratings? Yeah, sure. I think this movie's a lot of fun. I'm going to give it a three out of four. Cool. I think I'm going to give it a three and a half out of four. Right on. You like this movie. I, you know, I really enjoy it, and I think it's super watchable, and that, for me, like ranks so high. Especially the fact, with zombie movies, right? Yeah, the fact that you could just put this on every three months and not be like, eh, I'm sick of this. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever been upset to see it on TV. Yeah, or, whenever, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm just really cool with this movie. I'm, I vibe with it. I catch the flow of this one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's like any other zombie movie. It follows the same tropes, the same beats, the same patterns. It's got its own little unique flourishes that they all do, but for whatever reason, this is just one that we, we dig. Mm-hmm. I will say I do prefer the original. Oh, but yeah. But they're definitely two different movies. Two completely different movies. That just center around the mall aspect and some bus usage. But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of Fetty Alvarez's The Evil Dead and Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Hit us up on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, on Instagram at Nightmare on Film Street. We've got our own Discord server at nofspodcast.com slash Discord. There's always the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. And of course, the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Nightmare on Film Street. If you're a fan of Nightmare on Film Street and you want to support the show, head to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub to join our super exclusive, super fun, private fan club thing. Other adjectives. Yeah! 
Uh, it's a few dollars a month, and there's a ton of fun perks and rewards. We do a watch party live stream of a horror movie or horror cartoons. We have a private channel in the Discord where we do all of our chatting. There is bonus content episodes, swag, merch discounts. I could go on. That is at nofspodcast.com slash club. And all of your pledges go to support the growth of Nightmare on Film Street and the 30-plus contributors at nofspodcast.com. But until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website at nofspodcast.com. And while you're at it, check out all of the other spine-tingling shows on the bloody, disgusting podcast network. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.